Yes, we were both practicing at that time because obviously we we never envisioned going into real estate full time at that time. But you know, after being able to successfully complete these projects and build a business around it, you know, all, all that was holding us back was our limiting beliefs. And so after we started kind of gaining a little bit of momentum, we thought, well, it makes better sense for one of us to go part time, not only from time standpoint, but to establish certain things like a rep status, real estate professional statuses, and have great tax benefits from that. It made better sense when we really picked it up um, to do that. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Our guest today is Victor Leite. He's one of the founders of 258 Capital, a real estate investment company focusing on multifamily syndication. He's acquired and managed over $30 million worth of multifamily assets. Through real estate, he's been able to generate enough passive income to leave his full-time W2JOB in healthcare. I appreciated him diving into how he and his wife took this massive leap out of, you know, the JOBs, right? They're both living the American dream, right? And then man, they, they realize there's got to be something else to this, right? And you're going to hear how they did just that. And it's not a complicated thing, but however, most people are not willing to do it or to take action. And so I just encourage you to listen to his story, how they did it and go do it, right? Jump out there. You're going to hear you know, me kind of uh, into, into it a little bit because I just came back from this conference and man, I see so many people that have not taken action ever, and they've been trying for years and it kills me. Let's step out. You got to jump out there at some point. Uh, and so uh, anyway, you're going to hear that today with Victor. Victor, welcome to the show. Looking forward to diving into, you know, moving from a, a real medical professional to real estate professional, right? Uh, but also diving into the skill sets now that you have acquired and, per, you know, performed and, and grown in this new business, right? This, you know, as you've shifted from medical to Real estate, I want to learn more. I know that you're going to help the listeners today, whether they're passive or active. You're going to learn a lot from Victor today. Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Whitney. I'm I'm very thankful to be here. Thanks for having me on. Give us a little bit about that, you know, your background and, you know, from medical to real estate and why. And and then let's dive in even to, uh, you know, this deal that we're going to talk about today where I know, I I know you all are doing some quote true value add deals, right? We're going to talk about what that is and, and maybe a specific uh, deal that you all have done and mistakes that maybe you, you learned from. Uh, but give us a little more about yourself before we do. Sure. Yeah. So I was born in Brazil, immigrated to the States as a young man. All right. So I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand the culture, but I, you know, came to this country, my family chasing after that American dream. Right. You know, I followed all the traditional paths that everybody tells us to follow. I went to school. I dedicated endless hours of studying. Right. Uh, I got good grades. I had multiple jobs and especially in healthcare, put myself through school. And I was thankfully accepted to the George Washington School of Medicine, received my training medical degree as a physician associate there. And I I began my path towards, you know, practicing medicine. And you would think, right, that finally you reached that level of American dream that everybody's in search of, right? But, you know, five years plus into it, you know, working private practice, 60 hour plus long work weeks, overnight on call, dealing with the medical business world. It just started taking a toll on me, right? You felt this burnout coming. You felt the stress coming. And I don't know if any of your listeners are or have been in healthcare or healthcare professionals at all, but I know that they have dealt with this, especially since COVID has hit, right? You know, my wife, who also practices medicine, you know, she agreed with me. And one day we honestly, we had this kind of strong conversation, this goal and road mapping conversation. And so we decided that we just needed to press the reset button. And so we did. We, we packed our lives into two backpacks and. And we took off to travel the world for a year, nomad style on a shoestring, right? 
And during our travels, we had a lot of great experience, but we learned a lot of things. We did a lot of soul searching, a lot of reflecting. And the process of all this, you know, I did a lot of self-education, reading and reading motivational books and, and listening to podcasts like yours. And all these things that started resonating with us is that, that in real estate, man, it's, it's a place that anyone can get started and could reach some form or some level of financial freedom. And so, when we got back from our travels, we had a little bit of money saved up. So we got our start in the fix and flip game, right? And so we, you know, we completed a, a project and had a, a great experience. We had strong returns and we said, wait, why not do another one? So we did. And we did another one and another one. And, 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 and we completed in close to over 200 projects in the fix and flip side of things. And through all that extensive knowledge of systems and building teams and renovations and operations, we were also able to complete a large amount of Burr projects. And we built a nice portfolio of single family rentals. And then that's when we started really getting a taste for that cash flow. And so flash, flash a couple of years. And, and, and now we've now transitioned our focus and our skill sets towards the multifamily space. And we knew we can use our value at systems, you know, especially from the residential projects and transition over to the commercial space. So, you know, obviously you have to learn the ropes and we did, you know, a lot about the, the deal sourcing, the broker and banking relationships, the underwriting acquisitions, the due diligence, all those things. And on our first large multifamily deal that we did, we sourced that deal completely off market. It was a 63 unit value add deal and value add with 30% vacancies at that. And this property was three blocks from the oceanfront. Before we get into that deal, because I want to hear about this deal, especially it being the first multifamily deal, large deal. However, I, I want to back up because your story is somewhat similar to mine. And you know, you said, you reach the American dream, right? You know, but, but however, that dream looked a lot different than what you thought it was going to probably feel like, right? You know, like 60 plus hours a week. Uh, you know, I, I was right there with you. I had the dream. I had the, the J-O-B. Everybody thought was secure, right? And had the benefits and, you know, making, you know, really a higher salary than most people in my family had ever dreamed of making. But man, it, it, there was like nowhere for me to go. I'd reached the top in just a few years. And and I, I there's no way I could visualize myself doing that for the next 30 years. Uh, you know, and I was also doing, you know, had another side business that that uh, most of the listeners know about. But, but you know, it was like two full-time jobs. And my wife and I also, you know, we, we were at the beach, we we're walking, praying together. And, and it was like, we just asked ourselves the question, you know, is what we're doing now going to get us where we want to go five years from now? It was an obvious no you know, at that point, you know, we came back, I mean, like within a few months, we had sold the farm. I mean, literally, you know, we said, okay, we got to make some big things happen here. We got to make some decisions that most people are not willing to make. We want something different. And, and it sounds like that's what you and your wife did, right? You, and I love it. You said, uh, you know, you all like looked at goals. You also, you, you said, talked about uh, a roadmap, you know, resetting all those things. Give us a little bit though, about like having the confidence to come back and make some big changes, right? Because I, I love that. And I know we talked about it a lot on the show, but but it's like most people are not willing to go take action like that. And, and why I'm a little bit stuck on this at the moment is because I just came back from this conference that that I've been to every year for like for the last five years, and I've seen a few people you know that I've known for a long time like really take off. I mean, they've really gone and done big things. You know, our businesses have have grown together, and but I see most have not. Right, most are still you know they're still waiting for this opportunity that opportunity you know or they're still waiting for that next thing or but they've not really stepped out there right and taking taking bit at big action you and your wife did that how why right so it all came down to what we call our roadmap our massive action plan and so everybody's trying to figure out 
what they want to do, how they want to do it, but they never figure out where they want to end up. Like, where is your outcome-driven goals, right? And you need to start at your outcome-driven goals and work your way backwards and focusing on prioritizing, you know, the do's, the don'ts, the defers, and then the dumps, right? You have to figure out that plan. You wouldn't go to the airport and just show up and just say, where are we going? Now, you show up with your ticket in hand, you got your bags packed and say, we're going to the Caribbean. Like we know that, right? So if you don't know where you want to end up, how do you expect yourself to move forward in any direction that's going to stay positive? So that's what we focused on. We focused on building our roadmap to success of our goals. And it's forever changing, but it has to start somewhere. And you said it right. Nobody takes action. And you know what they also don't do? They don't set deadlines and they don't timestamp those actions. They just have those actionable steps and they don't do anything about it. And the next year, they're in the same place. And so that's what we focused on, our massive action plan with our actionable steps with deadlines. Love that. Where did that come from? Like, did you have a coach? Did you have a mentor, somebody that was like coaching you and your wife in this roadmap, you know, or where did that come from? Like, or did you all like something you laid out yourself? It's a little bit of what we laid out for ourselves and a little bit of, of our readings and listening to others of how they created their success. You know, everybody, you know, kind of focuses on, on different ways of doing things. But we thought to ourselves, well, let's focus on us, our situation, not everybody else's. Everybody else has got a different story, a different path. They're driving a different vehicle. You know, so we said, well, where do you want to be five, 10, 20 years from now? And so we just started that way. It wasn't we sat at the kitchen table and we talked about it, it wasn't anything fancy. We went to a weekend resort getaway, you know. I love the simplicity. I mean, you know, y'all just sat down at the kitchen table and started talking about it, right? And, and then started putting some feet to it. But you, you know, like you didn't just go flip a couple of homes. I mean, over 200 projects. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, you all no doubt learned a lot from that. Were you still, I assume you were still like practicing a, a doctor at the same time and your wife as well? Yes, we we're both practicing at that time because obviously we we never envisioned going into real estate full time at that time. But, you know, after being able to successfully complete these projects and build a business around it, you know, all, all that was holding us back was our limiting beliefs. And so after we started kind of gaining a little bit of momentum, we thought, well, it makes better sense for one of us to go part time, not only from time standpoint, but to establish certain things like a rep status, real estate professional statuses and have great tax benefits from that. It made better sense when we really picked it up um, to do that. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Just uh, you know, getting into the you know how you all took action, and because uh, again, I just came back from a big conference, and I, I just see many friends like I, I knew five years ago, right? That were still trying to get started, and guess what? They're still kind of at the same place, you know. And I, I hate that for them, right? But man, you at some point you got to make that decision to you're going to step out there, right? It's a it's a scary world out there, but you got to get out there. So I, w- I want to jump into this deal there because I want us to have a few minutes to be able to talk about that too. You know, your first multifamily deal, 64 units, I think you said 30% vacant. And you, even before we started recording, you mentioned, uh, you know, a true value add because uh, we do hear that term a lot, right? And maybe you can just highlight, what does that mean to you? Because we do hear that term all the time, you know, va- true value add. Let's dive into that deal. How you found it, you know, how you found, you know, did you raise money for it? Did you syndicate it? I and mean, let's talk about that, uh, you know, what happened with that deal a little bit. Sure. Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, this deal, as you tell everybody, we shouldn't have bought it because in the hot market that we had over the last five to seven years, it was very difficult to source opportunities that made any sense on paper. But it really came back to, you know, being, you know, local, knowing the market street by street, block by block, 
networking, talking to owners, talking to management teams, and finding out where the distressed properties were at or where the the tired landlords were at. And so we addressed that uh, issue and we started connecting and we started, you know, we did a lot of off-market stuff on the single family side. So we just kind of transitioned our systems to that, you know, um, messaging, text messaging, setting up coffee, uh, setting up uh, a time with owners that, and talking about their business, not trying to pitch them, but trying to say, hey, you know, you've owned this property for 40 plus years. Like, you know, what has been pros and cons of owning this property and what's your plan for the next five to 10 years? And what are you going to do with this thing when you're ready to, to shut it down? And, you know, so once we were able to secure, you know, a LOI and a, and a contract for that property itself, we did our, you know, our due diligence processes, right? And when I say value add, Whitney, I'm talking about this property is 30% vacant, but those 30%, we had, you know, five of those units that were down to the studs, meaning no walls, no plumbing, nothing. Okay. They were using it as storage units. There's another five units that they were using as more storage units for, you know, they didn't want to get a, a storage unit. So they put their sofas, their stuff and all this stuff in there from other people, right? Their rents on average were four to $500 below market because they've owned it for so long. They were cash flowing just fine. They didn't want to even try to push to get it to the market standards. They hadn't even done much of the property in regards to updating the property and keeping it to the standards, right? For 20 plus years. And so we had to come in there and it's not only the physical value add, it's not the floors and the paints and the cabinets and the appliances, but it's the operation side of things, right? Turning over the community. You know, we had people there, some bad people, people who did a lot of drugs, overdoses. Like we had a clear and change over the community. And once you do, you start getting more support for your community, right? And so that's truly what we look at as adding value to a property. Thank you for being with us every day on the Real Estate Syndication Show. I've got a gift for you, but I want to ask that you will leave a written rating and review on iTunes. If you'll send a screenshot to info at LifeBridge Capital of that review and a mailing address, I want to send you one of my recommended monthly books. So why a property that has such a, a, a big lift like this, right? For your first multifamily deal. Uh, maybe you all are still both working full-time at this time, right? I assume, or is that right? I was, I cut it back down to part-time, but yeah, still practicing medicine. I mean, yeah, of course. Awesome. But still your, your first off, your, you know, first larger multifamily deal, 64 units, 30% vacant, large value add, heavy lift, right? A lot going on here. How, why, what gave you the confidence to be able to move into a deal like that and know that you were going to be successful? To be honest with you, our previous experience, especially in the single family side of things, right? The heavy value add stuff is what we did day in, day out on the single family fix and flip side of things. That didn't scare us. It scared a lot of other operators though, right? But this is what we did, rinse and repeat. We had in-house construction, in-house teams that were able to just rinse and repeat and renovate units like it's another day. So that didn't scare us, the physical side of things, you know, and we saw the opportunity, location, location, location right? Located well in a strong, stable market, under market rents, there was great value to add from multiple aspects of it. And obviously we were in the right place at the right time and were able to find solutions for the previous owners, right? They wanted to ride off in the sunset. And we said, look, let us take this over, hold it. We're going to add value. We're going to keep the value of this property here. We're not some out of state fund REIT or whatever that doesn't really care about adding value. So that kind of sealed the deal on that one. Uh, did you syndicate it? Did you raise money? How did you finance it? On that first deal, uh, we JV'd, 
me and a partner of mine decided that we wanted to prove the theory first before we started bringing on um, a syndication kind of model at that time. So we said, look, we've done it rinse and repeat, but we don't haven't set our, our footing, our track record. Let's show everybody what we do. And we did. And we completed that entire business plan in one year, completely turned 63 units, not only physically, but from a community standpoint, raised the rents completely. And the value was proven. That's awesome. I love that. What about some lessons learned, right? From from a project like that, no doubt there's things that you didn't expect. You know, I mean, it's just real estate. I, I don't think there's uh, many projects where something doesn't happen, right? That the operator probably didn't expect to some degree. Uh, but especially a first one with a major heavy lift like that. What, what are some lessons learned? Uh, mistakes maybe that were made that you learned? God, from? I have so many and I know we don't have enough time for all of them, but, but points that I really want to kind of mention, right? So on the initial side of things, the underwriting of something like that, right? And handling the initial underwriting, right? Because that's a, one of the most key important parts of the entire business plan, right? Having conservative views of underwriting, right? So rental growth has been astronomical over the last few years, right? Eight to 10% growth in some markets, but we stuck to a 3% growth model. We stuck to a larger vacancy rate. We stuck to a 50% you know, operation expenses rate. And the one thing that we did that I hear this so often from everybody is that we set a larger renovation budget per door than everybody else does, right? I don't know if you deal with this, but I hear all the time, $5,000 a door should get it done. I don't know about you, but in today's market, in today's inflationary rate, in today's you know supply chain, I don't think you can even start with $5,000 anymore. So I say, when everybody mentions that, I know their level of experience already is not in the same caliber. Like if you truly want to add value and have a good product, you have to invest the money into it and you have to underwrite for it because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, right? You know, also the other thing that we learned from the management side is you got to find the right team for that job, right? So if you have a value add class C property, but you're trying to hire a class A property management company that doesn't have the bandwidth for that level of transformation, then you're going to have a difficult time staying on the business plan. You're going to get a lot of headaches, find the right management team for the right job and make changes as needed to stabilize the property, right? Victor, speak to the passive investor listening that's that's saying, hey, I, I don't know if my operator has the right team on the, on the job, right, for this specific, let's say it's a heavy value add deal like this. What's a couple of questions maybe they could ask to ensure the operator they're investing with has the right team for that project? You want to just look at the track record? I mean, obviously, you want to look at the property, the deal, the location, the underwriting, the, the deal deck. But specifically for the team, maybe, what are some things that maybe your team had you know, or that you would want to ensure that the team has or skills that they have, or I don't know, something that they can ask to ensure this is a good, good fit. Right. Usually I usually tell everybody, no, let's look at the numbers and let's look at the worst case scenarios. That's usually what I start with. You know, look at the numbers, look at the worst case scenarios. The worst case scenarios is how it looks like. Can you live with something like that? Second of all, you know, your experience level and your team's experience level with doing this level of project. Show previous projects, look at previous examples of what you've done as an ownership team, you know, and I usually say review, you know, updates, especially, you know, when being sent out uh, to you, you know, review and ask questions, keep an open line of communication saying, hey, the decision your team made here or the massive exodus of vacancy you guys decided, why did you do that? Like, is that a normal path of this kind of standard? You know, and so th that's usually what I say. And, and certain things like that we've done on different strategies of qualifying tenants, right? Qualifying tenants right now, sometimes it's difficult because the rents have risen so fast. 
So, you know, we use programs like the guarantors that assist folks with, you know, finding rental and deposit assistance, for example, but that doesn't sometimes reflect on the P&Ls. So things like that, I say, you know, you can always look at those things and ask, you know, track record, style, previous experiences, property management team. And honestly, I usually say, I welcome everybody who's on our deals. Come on down. Come take a look with your own eyes and see what we do. I talk about this every day and I love to review progress, to walk through deals, explain it from our eyes, what we're looking at trying to accomplish. That's what I usually say. The operator who is open and communicative and opening doors is the one that that I trust the most. Sure. Well, let's move to a few other questions. Do you have any predictions uh, you know, or anything for the real estate market over the next 6, 12, 18 months that you know, is steering your decisions, buying, selling, you know, how, you're, how you're moving forward? Oh, yeah. Crystal ball question. You know, I usually say you know, the game continues no matter what the rules are, right? So you have to find solutions for problems, you know, solutions for the issues that we're having right now, which is pretty much debt. Debt is difficult and deal sourcing is difficult because of the changing environment. But I usually say, you know, Stick to your standards, stick to your base level of looking at an opportunity, especially with qualifying a deal or underwriting a deal, right? I usually say, you know, if people are giving you unrealistic kind of numbers or things that don't meet a standard that you hold yourself to or that you're used to holding yourself to, then someone's just pitching you a potential deal that may not go in the right direction, right? So stay with conservative underwriting. I usually say that's what we're focused on. And stabilizing deals, uh, running operations and be ready, right? Uh, right now it's being ready to see what's about to happen over the next six to 12 months when when these opportunities that were purchased under short-term lending in 2019, 20 and 21 finally have to, they have to make a decision, right? I look at what's happening now in the banking. Things are going to come up now. And if you're not prepared, if you don't have insurances, if, if you don't have solutions for them, you're going to be forced to sell. And so we know that. And so we're preparing ourselves and our partners alongside of us to say, hey, stay patient, focus on what we can control and stick to our criteria. Because when we're calling about an opportunity, it means it checks all those boxes, right? So I say to everybody, just, you know, we want to to do this and we're going to do this. And our focus is on creating legacy, creating long-term wealth generation. It's not to turn it around quickly and 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 our focus is on that. And so our, our, we, we, we guide and, and focus on, on investors in the best wealth developing strategies, which we think, you know, real estate and syndication gives people an opportunity to do that. Yeah, when you're looking at a new project now, just give us, you know, a couple of things uh, quickly about how you're prepared for a, for a downturn. You know, wh- you know, what are a couple of things, even as a passive investor, as they're making sure the operator's prepared, you know, in that conservative underwriting you're talking about or in other ways, you know, that you know, hey, we're prepared if, you know, if the market takes a major dip. Right. You want to have obviously, you know, strong reserves on your portfolio to weather some storms, right? You know, you have some fixed rate terms. You have some bridge lending terms that are going to come, you know, um, what we, you know, we have some bridge products that we took on, but we bought, you know, caps and cap rates, cap protections that we have with cap rates no longer being compressed and they're moving up and up and up. So we have some insurance policies in, in place that will allow us to weather this 23, 24 storm just fine. And we, we also say that like right now is not the time to push the boundaries too much. Let's keep our vacancies low. Let's keep our properties flowing, that cash flowing that is, right? Because that's what actually makes a difference in the lives of our investors. It allows them to pay their liabilities without having to put any of the work in it. It's the magic of the whole thing. So we say, let's keep it conservative. Let's keep it cash flowing. Let's not push the boundaries too much. We don't want to go out there like the stock market, which we believe is a casino and start pushing our bets a little bit more. Let's just keep taking base hits and playing this game 
for the future. Right. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? You know, we do a lot of word of mouth and we have a, we have a private mastermind for all of investors. And we always recommend that each one of our investors bring a new partner in to kind of communicate. And, um, you know, we do a lot of educational things online. We're you know, all over social media trying to provide value uh, to our investors, educating, motivating, showing behind the scenes kind of things. You know, we like to network and do a lot of networking events for folks. And honestly, we invite everybody to come and see what we're doing. A lot of people don't open the doors. They keep it all quiet. I say, come on, everybody should learn. If you're a partner of mine and you're a part of this syndication, you are allowed and I welcome you to come in. Come learn, come learn. We want you to take this model and replicate it. We want everybody to just grow together. That's usually what, what we're doing right now to provide value to all of our folks in our network. What are some of the most important metrics that you track? I do a lot of time blocking in my day and I have four specific things that I focus on in my day. I focus on my mindset and my spirituality. I focus on my health. I focus on my legacy and I focus on my family, number one, right? All of that can be spread out through different branches of of different things. But I focus on those metrics of my life every single day and the people around me also focus on that. If we keep focusing on those basic steps of life, everything will just turn out just fine. You know, real estate is real estate. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be good days and bad days. It's all about sticking to a consistent, persistent behavior, right? Because consistent and persistent actions to me speak louder than words or opinions of others. How do you like to give back? Giving back. So, you know, I still practice medicine and I still um, practice about once or twice a month in Ernest Surf Clinic. And so I like to give back to my community that way. And and I also, you know, with doing value add and changing over communities, we also get involved in the communities, right? So we just recently got involved in one of the, we have a, a community in an arts district. And so we got involved with the arts community. And so we sponsored a, a really prominent artist to come out and paint a mural on one of our buildings and not only to provide something back to the arts district, but also to provide, you know, a piece of art for our community to enjoy, to be proud of when they come home, right? So those are the kind of things that we try to do. It's not really just about numbers sometimes. It's about what you like to be proud of at the end of the day. Awesome. Victor, uh, honored to meet you, have you on the show. Congratulations to you and your wife, your team on your success in realizing, hey, the American dream. It didn't look as great, you know, or dreamy, right, as, as what maybe we envisioned, you know, when we were younger uh, or, you know, thinking about what that would look like. But congratulations on you all being willing to to step out of that, right, and, and pursue massive action. I mean, you all did 200 projects and moving into, you know, a very heavy multifamily uh, value add deal, heavy lift anyway, uh, and having success at that and, and continuing forward. Congratulations on that. Grateful to learn from you today. I know the listeners have learned a lot as well. How can they get in touch with you though and learn more about you? Of course, yeah. You can always reach out to us on our on our websites at 258cap.com. We're on every social media source at 258 Capital, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, we're on YouTube. You know, we're, we're providing education, motivation, insider's look. So just feel to reach out to us in any of those or just follow us and, and just see, see what we're all about. We're, we're pretty open book on, on those platforms. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 